There have been a lot of highs. There have also been a lot of lows. It ultimately depends on who you are. You could be Cal Peterson making $5 million a year and find yourself on the waiver wire, or you could be Mitch Marner setting Leafs history or Steven Stamkos getting your 1,000th career point. Congrats uh, to Marner and Stamkos. We will talk about that in a rapid-fire section. We will also talk about a pair of Dallas Stars. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Rupe Hints, Jason Robertson, both having great starts. Robertson having a tremendous start. And it begs the question, how good is this team and how good can they be? We'll dissect all of that in episode 345 of the Lace Them Up podcast, which starts right now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. A list of good and bad news on uh, the topics. Uh, Brett, uh, you want to start with the bad or the good first? Uh, well, is I mean, we already have the lineup set, so we're starting off with the good. It's it appears. Yeah. Um, yeah. So because we we talked about, I guess, well, I, I think I talked about this last week when I was saying like who's close to a thousand points when I was talking about Bergeron. Um, and I mentioned like, oh, Stamkos will probably get there in any day now. And it appears that he has. Uh, he had his 1,000th point um, against Philadelphia on uh, Thursday. Um, and then he also played against Toronto where he had another point. So he has 1,001 career points right now in 946 games. Um, yeah, he was already a Hall of Famer. This also just solidifies it even more so, of course. Um, what I find most fascinating about Stamkos right now is, um, well, two things. One, um, that like he's like his whole career, he was kind of like living up to that Eric Lindros type career where he was very good, but the the uh, caveat was when healthy, um, mm-hmm. and and then you can never like and because of that you can never rely on him. Uh, purely because you know you could expect him to get injured but recently he's been pretty healthy um there was that but like there was still that like that famous time when he uh broke his leg um uh, or maybe it's only famous for Bruins fans uh because he uh he did that in Boston but um there was that time the time when he was injured for the most of the first playoff run for a Tampa Bay um and then like he tried to skate in the Stanley Cup finals um and you could see him like during the commercial break trying to skate and it looked like he could barely walk or anything so we we were all thinking like oh this is it for him and then um and then the next year he puts up um an impressive uh I think this was if I'm reading this right yeah he had 34 points in 38 games and then the year after that, he had 106 points in 81 games last year. And he's just, he's even better than he was early on. Cause I remember he was like living, he he was pretty close to like, he had 50 goals in his second year in the league. Um, and like, he was living up to being that Ovechkin type player where he would just score goals at will. 
I mean, he can. And still... then he got 60 in his yeah. fourth year as well. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. the season everyone remembers where yeah. Tampa was like, right. you know, still a cellar dweller. But oh, yeah, yeah. hey, they have the 60 goal scorer in their team. Right, right. And... Yeah, and it's also like not to mention like he's like for anyone who feels like uh, Lafreniere isn't going to be good or Shane Wright isn't going to be good or um, any of the first overall picks. But there was a time in his rookie year where Barry Melrose, who was the coach for the Lightning at the yep. time, he would just put him on the fourth line for no reason at all, and then um, and then Barry Melrose gets uh, canned pretty early, pretty much because he did that. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, the rest is history. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just incredible that he's, he's had this much of, like, he's had a lot of setbacks, but it's just impressive that he's been able to overcome it. And even now he's like, you know, yeah, he's not like a 60 goal scorer now, but like still he had 42 goals last year. Um, that's, that's decent. Um, he has 13 goals in 24 games this year. That's that's pretty good. But he's increasing his assist totals, um, and that's been even you know that's even better for him. So it's like this is, you know, he's uh, Stamkos has definitely lived up to the hype uh, for the Lightning. I I would imagine he's close to. I think I think I saw that like he has all the Tampa Bay franchise records except for assist, um, and Marty St. Louis has that. Um, but like, I would imagine pretty soon, uh, Stamkos will, uh, beat him there too, uh, for the franchise record there. But, um, anyways, I, I think it's, it's just interesting from, from that standpoint of just the fact that like, we thought that his career was over many, many times in his 15 year career. It hasn't happened yet. Um, and, um, and it's just, it's just great that he's been able to like, around his game up even more so so that that's that's cool to see or just from like a story narrative perspective it's just like oh okay this guy is actually really really good um but uh the other thing that i wanted to mention was the fact that like you know when you think of the lightning and recently it's like kucherov Braden point anthony sorelli now of course on the back end you have vasilevsky and Victor Hedman, but it was always like when when the Lightning were really good, and I'm talking about like that year when they only lost like ten games or so. Um, they, um, it, it like Samkos wasn't really like their best player at the time, and um, and it's just now it's just like yeah, Samkos is still. I mean, you can make an argument that Kucherov is better, but I think there's like, it's it's just interesting how like now I feel like there there's a good decent case that you can make that Stamkos is actually the best player on this Lightning team um even though like you could make a case for Kucherov you can make a case for Hedman um or Vasilevsky um but um but yeah I I just find that like interesting too where it's it feels like he's under the radar even though he was a first overall pick and he just had a thousand points in 900 games um, but like, I think a part of that is also just to do with what I was just talking about with all the injuries and like the little setbacks that he had with Barry Melrose early on in his career. I think, uh, one, um, a couple of other things, um, and Brett, you hammered on a lot of points as to overall what he means to this team. Um, the 51 goal season, he had 24 goals and 41 yep. points on the power play. That's how good he was that, that year, nearly missed out on 300 shots. And he wasn't even averaging 18 minutes a night 
or, or maybe it was at that point, uh, but it, uh, I got that number confused with the shooting percentage. His shooting percentage, by the way, consistently 15, 16 to 17% range. That's roughly what you're getting with Stamkos. This year, it's around 15.9, and he still has 13 goals in 24 games. Um, the only season where he got 300 shots was that 60-goal campaign, and he just barely surpassed 300. So that's how his shooting percentage has always been good. He's getting a decent amount of shots on goal, yes, but he's making most of them, uh, making the most out of his opportunities more often than not when he shoots. Um, and I, I feel like in years two and year four, when he scored a combined 111 goals between those two campaigns in particular, um, I, I feel like his popularity started to fade away after the injuries in the sense that like he's not getting the type of hype that Crosby got or McDavid is getting now or McKinnon is getting now or Kaprizov is getting now. Like he got 106 points last year and I feel like no one even talked about yeah. it because everyone's just like, oh, Austin Matthews, 60 goals, yeah, Mitch Marner, Kaprizov, you know, all those guys. Yeah. And Stamkos just flew under the radar. It's just like, yeah, 106 points in 81 games. Not a big deal. Another trip to the Stanley Cup Finals. No big deal. Oh, um, yeah, no yeah. big deal. Yeah, it just casually drops that kind of stuff. Um, and you're right. In terms of talented players on the Tampa Bay team, they're so loaded with those. And uh, to the point where I was taking a look at the daily face-off, and I don't know how long this has been going on for, but – the latest daily face-off update showed Stamkos on the second line, Brandon Hagel, as the first line uh, left winger. He's been playing pretty well, but you have a caliber like Stamkos. He's your leader. He's your captain. Um, he's the guy that's helped you accomplish all of the successes of the past couple of years, and he's on the second line, not the first line like he's used to, but he continues to lead by example, and it doesn't matter what the role is. It doesn't matter what the injury is that he's fighting. He always comes back. And he, he just won't stop fighting. He just keeps on trucking right to the end. He's a ride-or-die type of player that you love to have in the locker room. And he's the type of guy that's been there the longest, that has been through the ups and downs, um, has been through a couple of losing seasons in his career that, at the time, Tampa Bay was a painful team to watch, and they looked hopeless. And in 2008, when they drafted Steven Stamkos, they freaking needed Steven Stamkos because they were such a bad team. They were waiting for someone to help turn things around. And similar to Patrice Bergeron, when the Bruins were a, a, a not-so-good team uh, in the uh, middle 2000s, uh, Patrice Bergeron helped turn things around. He helped change the culture. Steven Stamkos has helped change the culture in that Tampa Bay locker room to a winning culture to a team that contends every year. Um, and just everything's better with Steven Stamkos in the mix. And I feel like a lot of people forget his offensive talents, but I'm sure in Tampa Bay, they won't forget his contributions beyond the offense. And I think that's something that uh, has really stuck out to me as well. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, no, that's a good point too, that he's round out his game and he's, he's better defensively too. I was also like just looking at like, so I'm looking on Hockey Reference, his, his stats page, and I'm just seeing his face-off percentage increasing every single season, and that's that's yep. really cool. Um, Getting better every year. That's what you expect out of your yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, um, so yeah. Um, so speaking of point streaks, I was actually just, because uh, we're, we're going to be talking about Jason Robertson pretty soon, uh, who's on his own point streak of his own. 
we'll also talk about Marner, but there was a story coming out that Steven Stamkos, on his own 18-game point streak, he says, oh yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday because my sticks got stolen after the game at the Toronto airport by Toronto <laughs> security, and then I didn't get a point the next game, so I remember that pretty clear. So I thought that meant that... Was like, it the same guy that carjacked Mitch Marner uh, oh, a couple of months ago? That'd be funny, yeah, I don't know. But um, but I thought, we got, like... We got a thief on the loose, somebody stop him. But I thought that, like, because, like, I saw that on Twitter, so I thought that they they meant that, like, Stamkos is also on an 18-game point streak, but he's not, because I was just looking at his hockey reference page, and I guess he's on a 10-game point streak, which is, you know, nothing to sneeze at, of course, but... Um, yeah. But I thought that I was like, oh, okay. So I guess there was a time when he had an 18 game point streak. Uh, the reason why I bring this up at all is because, well, first he was playing Toronto um, and he's from there. Um, and also, Mitch Marner, he's on a 19 game point streak, and that's a franchise record. Um, and that's, you know, obviously it's impressive in its own right, no matter what team you're on. But it's even more impressive, having said that, um, it's even more impressive considering that this is Toronto. Toronto is an original six team. Um, it's perhaps, it, it is probably the most toughest place to play uh, hockey in. You also have like Austin Matthews on your team. So you're, you don't even get the spotlight in that sense either. But it's just like, you have to, you have to give Marner his due here. Yeah, he has 31 points in 26 games. Um, and yeah, he's on an 18 game, a 19 game point streak, uh, which is uh, also on incredible. a five game goal streak. Sorry to interject, Brad, no, in which he has scored six times in those five games. Yeah, yeah, it's just um, so pe people forget he can score as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think it's yeah, because he's I mean, he's more known for his his assist and, you know, he's one of the best passers in the league. So that makes sense yeah. but yeah you're right he's he also he has 10 goals in 26 games and uh, yeah that's nothing to uh to be mad about as well but i remember there was a you know a couple of years ago maybe this is just because it's like toronto media but there was like rumors that marner should be traded or like marner isn't as good um and i always thought that was kind of ridiculous even like even after a while, like even talking as a rival fan, um, it's like, yeah, Marner is one of the best players. It's just that he never gets talked about because of his teammate, Austin Matthews, who's obviously really good. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just crazy that, um, but Marner's doing this and it's even more impressive considering this is Toronto and they've been around f forever. Um, so, um, so yeah, good, good on Marner. I, I want to see him like you know, live it up and and do it. Just not against my Bruins, um, but you know, just score on every other team, um, except for my Bruins. Um, but it should uh, also be noted, by the way, um, Dylan Strome was drafted one spot ahead of Mitch Marner, and uh, the only guy who has more points uh, than Mitch Marner in terms of draft years is Connor McDavid, who has seven hundred and forty-four wow. and miles ahead of everyone else. So, uh, yeah, Mitch Marner at fourth overall, continuing the trend of, hey, maybe drafting fourth overall isn't that bad. I would, I have to do the math here, but I imagine, okay, so I'm looking here. I was going to say that I feel like Eichel, okay, so, so Eichel has 409 points, 
in 435 games career-wise, but Marner has 486 in 453. Yeah, okay, that's which to yeah. clarify, Buffalo's been bad, and yeah, he's yeah. only really played on an established good team right. since he joined Vegas, and, and he injuries. wasn't 100 percent healthy for most of his yeah. half year. Right, so right, right, right. Uh, the fact that um, Eichel's still been able to do all that is pretty good, and. Yeah. You know, Marner's obviously been in better situations well, than Eichel that, that, and Dylan Strome, but right. still, it, it takes hard work to put up those numbers, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Marner deserves a lot of credit for that. Oh, no, 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 for sure. I, I guess I, and you also have to consider the fact that Eichel had been injured for a couple of those seasons yes, in Buffalo Yes, the injuries as well. have hurt yeah. Eichel, too. Um, yeah, I'm looking here. I guess uh, there are, uh, yeah, so, um, so McDavid has more than a point per game Marner has more than a point per game uh, career wise and Miko Rantanen also has more than a point per game Sebastian Ajo has 427 points in 470 games so that's the next highest in terms of point totals but I also um, just realized and this is veering further away from what we're talking about know, but I'll I mention know. it anyway if your annual Connor McDavid is god tier quote uh, Mitch Marner has 486 points. McDavid has 484 assists. Oh, that's nuts. So even if McDavid didn't yeah. score a single goal, he would be neck and neck with Marner for the point lead in his draft class. Like, that's nuts. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's Wayne Gretzky-esque. The yeah, legend, I was about to say. If he didn't score a goal. <laughs> yeah, no, I was about to say because there is a point when like like the thing with Gretzky is it's like you could say any stat about him and it's tr probably true and it's probably, probably real, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably real. Uh, but yeah like, that, that seems like the closest although I will say that Do you know like, Wayne Gretzky put up a 920 save percentage as a rookie it happened that's crazy yeah um, but uh, McDavid is at 484 and Marner has 486. So it's not like yeah. that impressive. So McDavid is not ahead of Marner, but just the <laughs> fact that it's that close. McDavid assists oh, yeah, versus yeah. Marner points. Like, yeah, yeah. come on, man. And now that McDavid is scoring now at goals, it's, it's kind yeah. of crazy. Yeah, Mc, well, uh, yeah. and we're going to talk about one of the best goal scorers in the game right now, right, but right. McDavid is like right behind him too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyways, uh, so yeah, we wanted to shout out Mitch Marner. Um, I hope he, you know, I, I love point streaks. It's nothing I love more. So, um, yeah. so that I, I, I really just love seeing, seeing that even if it is again, even if it is a Leafs player. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, well, the fact that it made NHL history or not yeah. NHL history, but Leafs history again, like Matthew scoring 60 goals. Like it was a big deal in, uh, on a, on a team with so much history on it and the fact that 19 games is now the new record set by mitch marner on yeah. a team that's been playing in the nhl for like nearly a century maybe more than a century it's absolutely crazy but uh i think wayne gretzky's all-time point streak i don't think anyone's touching that like oh, no. a lot of people made decent bids to maybe threaten it but none have nearly come close enough to it. well well it's funny how like I mean, we're we're going way off topic here, but um, <laughs> yeah, Alex Ovechkin's like he's you know a big reason why he got that contract is because the Capitals want Ovechkin to like break that goal record that Gretzky has. But if he, he like Gretzky still has a hundred more goals than 
Ovechkin does right now. So it's like yeah. Ovechkin has to be like has to have like like 50 goals pretty much for the next two years in order to even have a shot. And not that Ovechkin's bad, of course, but it's just like that's insane. And Ovechkin's like you know he's now 38, 30, 37 maybe. Um, it's just it's just crazy. Um, all right. Um, the other things that we wanted to talk about. Um, so now to the sad news here. Uh, it appears that Chris Letang uh, suffered a stroke this week. Um, supposedly, he said that it's not as bad as he thought it was. He had a, I forgot about this, but he had a stroke a couple years ago. Um, and he said that that stroke, the first stroke that he had, was the worst that uh, was worse than the stroke that he just had. Um, of course, you never want to have a stroke, even two or even one of them. So it's just it's just scary situation. And, you know, there's some times where you just have to remind yourself like, oh, right. Play hockey players are humans as well. Um, and, you know, you always just just hope for the best for Chris Letang. Um, he is out indefinitely. Um, I imagine, like, even though he says that he's better, I imagine the Penguins are going to try to take their time with him uh, because, like, a stroke is pretty serious. So, um, yeah, just you just have to hope that he's he's uh, he's doing well, and um, you know, like, you know, I guess worst case scenario is he'll never play hockey again, and then they would just put him on LTIR. Um, which just stinks for the Penguins' perspective because they uh, signed him for a long-term contract like that. But, um, yeah. but yeah, it's um, but yeah, it's it's always, it's sad, um, of course. But yeah, Chris Letang, he had a stroke. Yeah, and 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 just like again, just like from a player standpoint, from a humane level, it's like I. I like I would imagine similar to concussions, like you suffer too many and like this could right. become like a near death experience and like nobody wants that. Yeah. And the fact that he's gone through two of those uh, and he's expecting to be a guy that logs a lot of minutes um, at the highest level there is and he's still playing and he's contractually committed to playing for the next five years beyond this. Like, man, that's, like a lot on his shoulders obviously and uh like obviously they they can't rush him back from this uh, he's i would imagine he's gonna miss a significant amount of time if he even plays hockey again that's great but honestly it, it wouldn't surprise me if this is the last that we've seen of him just because you know if you go back on the ice and you put in all this conditioning and whatnot it's the future strain on your body and your hearts and and all the other important organs that keep you alive and breathing. And like, you, you don't want to sacrifice um, years of your life after you retired, just because you wanted to play for another year or two or however many years. Um, yeah. So, so from that, that standpoint, it just sucks. You can't predict health issues. You can't predict injuries that pop up when you sign those contracts. But um, you know, there's always that lingering threat of the next one too. Like if he's yeah. back, you know, there's, there's a chance he could, suffer the third one so at, at the end of the day you just uh, hope that he's okay this wasn't on our topics list brett but i wanted to quickly mention alex formanson did not sign a contract before the december 1st deadline meaning he cannot play hockey this season the sense can trade his rights they can do whatever but he is not eligible to play nhl hockey this year 
Yeah, I think I saw that, but yeah, we didn't mention that. Uh, well, there's yeah. a few other things that we have to mention too uh, before we get to yeah. the main topic. We'll, we'll quickly yeah. go through them. If, yeah, if yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris, yeah, so, um, so yeah, hopefully Chris Letang can figure it out and we can see him play. But again, we, you know, yeah. health always comes first. Um, we, we hope that he's okay. Um, Cal Peterson, uh, he got waived um this week um after there was a i don't know if you i mean you do you do know this steve but just to remind the listeners in case they don't know uh there was a nine to eight game um last week uh it was seattle against la seattle ended up winning that game um and the next day cal peterson was waived uh yeah cal peterson is not doing so hot um clearly but um, yeah, he had like a sub 800 or sub 900 uh, save percentage. Um, and Jonathan Quick isn't any doing any better per se, but... Well, Elite... Quick got pulled in that game and Pearson yeah. came in and it did no better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair fair point. I, I guess that's what I meant to say. But, like, but he's at least... somehow 5-3-2, which yeah, is yeah. the funny part. 868 save percentage, by the way. Yeah, 3.75. Yeah. Also... Against. It's like as bad as the goaltending has been for LA, they're still like they have thirty points in twenty seven games. Yeah. You know, so it's like they're they're not doing too too badly. Yeah, because their think, offense can score. That's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, true. And they also just signed him to a three year deal at five yeah. million per year this off season. Right. So the fact that they waived him that fast is like a huge wake up call. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's it's just. Um, you know, I, I think like he had a Cal Peterson was signed this contract five million for uh, I think it was three years. It might have been four years. Yeah, three years. Yeah, three years. So two um, years after this. And uh, yeah, you know, because of that contract, we kind of thought like and the, just the fact that quick is old now, it's like we were thinking like, OK, so Cal Peterson's the goalie of the future. Um, yep. And yeah, he hasn't lived up to that ever since that contract he wasn't good last year but you thought like there was at least some potential there but yeah he went he he hasn't been good at all this year um so yeah i i guess it makes sense to waive him it also makes sense that no one was going to claim him even though he did have decent numbers a few years ago um so like you know i i guess it's just the fact that he's he has five million um he's making five million um no one really wants to to uh to work with that even though yeah there is some potential for like a reclamation project um it's just tough to do that for a goalie uh because then once once a team claims them they can't send them down to the ahl either they have to um they have to like play him or you know put him on their pro roster so so that's that's a big reason why he wasn't claimed I imagine there's definitely a chance that he could be getting traded somewhere, but um, but yeah, I think just being being in the AHL for a little bit uh, can do wonders for him, and w- and we'll see um, if Jonathan Quick can um, man the fort, so to speak. Even though he has an eight, uh, I think he has. Let me look here. He has this an eight eighty. Yeah, he has an eight eighty eight save percentage and a GAA of three point three three. So not doing so hot, but he's eight, seven, and two. So, um, yeah. so there, there's something. But 
Yeah, it's, and, and it's his contract year as well, which right. is why I would imagine they're sending Cal Pearson down now because if they're going to trade quick and make Pearson the guy, uh, that's probably going to happen in around January, February, right. or or uh, I think March. There's the trade deadline this year. It's a Friday, oddly enough. Yeah, which is interesting. Not the usual Monday, but in any event, um, if their envision is still to go with Cal Peterson, you only have such a limited amount of time to get his game back on track. And if it's not going to happen in the NHL level, you need to send him down and, and send a wake up call now before um, it's too late. Like there's still time, thankfully because of the division that they're in to make things right from a defensive standpoint, from a goaltending standpoint, because the way their offense is going, you can't waste that. Yeah. It's what's, what's weird is like, I'm looking at the, the Kings like goaltending like um pool. Their prospects system. Yeah, yeah. No one really stands out. I mean I guess Phoenix Copley. <laughs> um yep. but like he's thirty years old. And, and he's he, the guy that called up while yeah, the Pearson yeah. got sent down. And he's like a career like he's basically just doomed to be an AHL goalie. Pretty much there's Matthew yep. Villata who I've heard of, but like everyone else I'm seeing here is like I've never even heard of. Um, so it's like they don't like it's pretty much just Cal Peterson and no one else. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like if Cal Peterson isn't the guy, which it seems like he's not like, I don't know what the Kings are going to do because, you know, as good as quick has been, they're very lucky that they have him. It doesn't seem like yeah. any other gold like they, you know, the Kings did uh, spend a lot of like their prospect pool look, uh, drafting centers drafting wingers and drafting defensemen um it appears that they didn't do that for goaltending other than they thought that cal peterson would be the guy but they he's not the guy um maybe i mean i guess it depends on his ahl stint and we'll see um speaking of not being the guy uh thatcher demko um is injured right now um and even when he was healthy he wasn't doing so hot uh, he had an 888 save percentage, um, but he's expected to miss six weeks um, with a lower body. Um, and that means that Spencer Martin's going to be take the crease for them. And uh, he doesn't instill a ton of confidence, uh, I would say, uh, since he has, um, he's, I mean, he is 7 2 and 1, so he has a decent record, but he is 9 0 oh, and he does have a 901 save percentage and a GAA of 3.08. Uh, so we'll see how he does there. Uh, does there? But yeah, there. You know, Thatcher Demko is out for six weeks, and uh, that's gonna be um, that's gonna be pretty bad for them. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, we'll see how Spencer Martin does. Uh, do you know who they called up per chance? Um, well, not Mikey DiPietro, because if yeah, you remember, sorry. they traded him to Boston, so yeah, it wasn't yeah. him. Um, Archer Silovs. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I've heard of him. Maybe. Yeah. I, I would imagine that he was one of the goalies. Oh, the Colin, Colin Delia. Okay, perhaps. I'm looking at cab friendly. They, oh. called, they called up Colin Delia. Um, yes. Okay. Interesting. All right. Anyways, but yeah, it's uh, Thatcher Demko is out for, for a little bit. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we, we mentioned how bad things have gone in Vancouver. Brock yeah, Besser almost getting scratched. And the reason he wasn't scratched is because the guy who was supposed to be in the lineup got hurt. Yeah. And then there, also, I noticed Paul Colson was sent to the minors. So yeah. 
Um, yeah, they're not uh, a lot of things aren't going right for the Canucks. And the shocking thing is, is they're still technically um, not uh, in the worst position. They're in a much better position than the Sharks and the Ducks. But at the rate things are going, things can easily fall off the rails within the next couple of weeks heading into Christmas. It could go real bad. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, yeah. Um, anyways, um, so, so the, now we go to the main topic. Um, we've kind of, I mean, I, th I think it's safe to say that we both love Jason Robertson. Um, yeah. We've, we've even if he's American, I, yeah. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, um, I, I think we, uh, it seems like now everyone, all the NHL hockey fans love him now too. Um, especially this year. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he, he's been, and you know, like, I, I think like we all knew that he was good, uh, the last two years, but, uh, this year, um, there's exception because he's been, he's having a, he's, he's having a career year, uh, which is impressive considering last year he had 79 points in 74 games. Uh, but this year he has roughly, I think, 41 points. So he played right now. So a lot of my stats might be off a little bit. So just bear with me here. Uh, but uh, yeah, he had 40. I, I think he has 42 points now. Um, and that's in um, that's in 26 games, maybe. I mean, I, I feel like I'm missing 25 games. Um, and oh, interesting. Okay, so I guess maybe that didn't happen because he had two goals. He had a goal and two assists in this game. By the way, the Stars tied it up um, to Minnesota. Yeah. At the moment, they're in a shootout right now, and yeah. the Stars are leading in that shootout. If they okay. get one more save, they win. <laughs> All right. Good to know that you're watching the game. So they they, they could uh, they could pull a Boston plus one. Yeah, on yeah. Uh, Minnesota here. We'll see. Um, but um, and it looks like Jason Robertson did get a shootout goal. So that's yeah, he did. Those yeah. don't count, but um, man, <laughs> yeah. imagine if the shootout goals count. What uh, what happened? Cool. Yeah, that'd be great, but uh, yeah, they don't count. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, anyways, he um, this puts him. Yeah, anyways, he's first in goals. Uh, he leads the league in goals. Uh, I think he's tied for second in uh, in points, um, or he's third. If if he's not, it's, it's, I I know uh, this is a great yeah, and tied for second in points because Edmonton doesn't play tonight. So. Right, right. But so I I, I think. Out for second. Is that the, there's another site that I'm looking at that did update it, and I think there's they say that he has 41 points, and Drysaddle has 42. Okay. So I, either way, uh, ver someone very close to Leon Drysaddle for a top three spot yeah, in yeah. scoring <laughs> yeah. is enough of an accomplishment in itself. That's you don't fine. need the stats That's to pad it. But, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, and speaking of point streaks, he has an 18 game point streak now. Um, yeah. Either way. Um, but yeah, he's he's been incredible. Um, and as Steve alluded to, he's an American, uh, which is which is also great to see as well. Uh, but yeah, he's he's been, um, you know, I, I think it's interesting just from the standpoint that for the last couple of years, uh, before Jason Robertson was on the team, 
he like the stars were kind of like yeah they had Sagan they had Jamie Benn and even when they had Joe Pavelski early on it was like they were seen as this team that like doesn't score a ton um and um and it's just it's just cool to see that like the Dallas Stars they get Jason Robertson and then all of a sudden Joe Pavelski starts scoring. Jamie Benn is now getting going. Um, Miro Heiskanen is is scoring a little bit too. Rupe Hintz, who we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, he's 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 scoring now too. So um, so yeah, it's it's very it's just very cool to see that like all these guys are like it's just it just looks like a different Stars team right now, um, but. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just uh, funny how, like, because I remember I have a soft spot for the stars. Um, I um, I think I've mentioned this on the show. I must have. We've been doing this for a lot that I feel like any hockey story I probably have told already. But um, I uh, I was uh, growing up. I was uh, like, or how I got into hockey in the first place was because Brett Hull shared my first name as well. Yeah. So, um, and he was on the stars at the time. So this was in first grade where I would, like, I remember waking up every morning and seeing what the stars did. And if Brett Hull scored, I'd also play the video, uh, hot NHL 99, um, all the time. I didn't see the famous controversial goal, but, um, ever since then I started to watch all the stars games whenever they were on national TV. And that's pretty much how I got into hockey. Um, and then eventually I was like, oh, right. The Bruins are also a fun team to watch too. But, um, but yeah, the stars were, so I've always had like a soft spot for the Dallas stars purely because of they, they got me interested in hockey in the first place. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's so, so anyways, just a little, another story here. I, um, uh, I was in a dynasty league, um, and we're doing these like initial it's the initial dynasty league this was in 2020 and i um we're doing this prospect draft um and i just wanted like a dallas stars prospect because like i was mentioning i have a soft spot for the dallas stars um and in the fourth round i'm like like i i think thomas harley was already taken um there was a few others, but I, I feel like uh, I was like, oh, Jake Ettinger was already taken. Um, and I was just like, okay, let me, like, it seemed like Dauber Prospects was pretty high on Jason Robertson. I'll just take him because he's a Dallas Stars. And I, like, I know I probably shouldn't do this, but their uh, Dauber Prospect called Jason Robertson a blue chip prospect. Um, and I was like, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's draft him. That's like, this was like the 60th pick. Um, and so I thought like, okay, this is, this is going to be fun. Cause I'll get like a stars prospect. He may not be good, but we'll see. And then all of a sudden he's like, if we were doing a redraft of that, <laughs> of that year, uh, we probably, I probably, you know, Jason Robertson would go in the first round, if not the first pick, but, um, I, I forget who else was available at the time, but um, but anyways, all of this to say, I've been a big fan of Jason Robertson since day, since day one, um, and I I've been watching his career um, ever since that time, um, and yeah, it's, it, he's been incredible. It, yeah, he um, it's it's just um, 
it, it's like you know it's just amazing to watch and he yeah, he's a goal scorer he's i think what really stands out to me is is just his hockey vision um it seems like he knows where everyone is at all times um and it's just um he, he's he's very strong in that and of course like i think like his prospects uh or like the reason why he was drafted so late was uh scouts were unsure of his skating ability um and it turns out that yeah i guess he he worked on the skating ability and or his skating um and yeah he managed to to be very good um so i um yeah i'm a big fan i guess the yeah, we're we're <laughs> I have in my notes is that we'll both fawn after him. So I fawn after him. I know you do as well. Um, but I will ask you this question is do you think he can win the heart? The heart trophy is a tough question, and it's a tough question for anyone not named Connor McDavid, because Connor McDavid is the bar for the yeah. heart trophy, like it or not. Uh, just just the way Connor McDavid sets himself up from the rest. But the fact that someone is keeping pace with the likes of McDavid and Drysdale, as you said, top three, breathing down both uh, Oilers superstars next at this point. Um, 22 goals in 24 games, which is now obviously gone up after today's result. By the way, Minnesota held on in the shootout, oh, no. so they fought back to win that. Um, but it doesn't affect Robertson's stat line, so of that's course. beside the point. But yeah. again, a lot of that comeback, again, is based on Jason Robertson. And the one thing that I was looking at in particular in his rookie year, because down the stretch, Dallas and Minnesota were both trying to make their mark and establish themselves as playoff teams. Dallas barely missed out. Minnesota got in, and they definitely uh, put uh, the league on notice in a lot of uh, aspects uh, because of the season that Kirill Kaprizov had. And uh, in Dallas's case, a lot of people were optimistic because of the season that Jason Robertson had. And down the season, in clutch moments... Kaprizov and Robertson were neck and neck with each other. Uh, Jason Robertson has that clutch gene. He showed it off today against those same uh, Minnesota Wild uh, by getting a couple of points um, in succession within like less than a minute span. And that got the Stars back into the game and they tied the game. And a lot of that is thanks to Jason Robertson. Um, so as you mentioned, around uh, 42 points now in 25 games. Uh, outrageous pace considering he had 79 and 74 last year which is still good mind you but I mean 42 and 25 is a whole different ball game and he's done a lot of that at even strength um, heading into today's game he had six goals and 14 points with the extra man so most of his damage is still done at even strength and how I've uh, looked at Jason Robertson's career is that he continues to get better uh, his first full season, 17 goals in 51 games. He takes 127 shots. That's a 13.4 shooting percentage for a rookie. A pretty good opening statement. But that shooting percentage goes up to 18.6. In his second year, he takes 220 shots, scores on 41 of them, 13 of which are power play goals, and 11 of which are game winners. So, again, yeah. that clutch gene, uh, Jason Robertson uh, showcased that plenty in his second year, and that led to – his big uh, contract extension of four-year pact with the Dallas Stars. And it's already looking at a, like a bargain because yep. it's less than uh, what some of the other stars on Dallas are making. And uh, this year, 104 shots, 22 goals, not including today's stat line, 21.2 shooting percentage, which is nuts. And for those goals, 
four of those 22 goals to start the year in 24 games have been game winners as well. So it's when he's scoring those goals as well. And the fact that he can score goals in all situations is what makes Jason Robertson such a deadly presence. Um, and uh, the NHL acknowledged that in their three stars of the month for November, he was on that list with, um, let's see, 15 goals in 14 games. So that's over a goal per game pace, 26 points in those 14 games, uh, 10 points in nine games to start the year in October. And already, if if, if December is any showing, uh, if uh, December is showing us any signs, it's that he's not sl- slowing down anytime soon. Uh, with a hat trick to start December, and now, as you mentioned, Brett, a goal and two assists uh, in the Minnesota game. And the fact that he's racking up all those shots and that he's efficient with his shooting percentage as well um, definitely tells me that if he continues to uh, shoot the puck effectively, more of those goals are going to continue to find the back of the net. Uh, especially in the second half, as you start to see the stakes rise, um, you're going to probably get, you're probably going to want to allow more of the NHL's biggest guns to light it up a little bit more because every play, every goal matters even more. Um, So I'm I'm really interested to see in February, March, and April what Jason Robertson can do because that's ultimately going to determine how successful his season can be. Um, and I think that ultimately in March and April, how he does is going to determine whether or not he's, uh, going to beat out McDavid for the hard trophy. Um, I think in March and April, he's going to have to be a clutch performer for that to happen. Numbers alone are definitely going to put him in the conversation, but I don't think they separate him from the likes of McDavid, the likes of a hard trophy candidate. Um, but if there is ever a time for Jason Robertson uh, to win the Hart Trophy, uh, this year would be a good year uh, because I'm not really sure if um, Jason Robertson is the type of guy where, like, he can put up these numbers every year and this is the new norm, or if, you know, like, yeah, 90, 95, 100 points is what you're going to get, but mm-hmm. he's projected to do more than just that at this rate. Yeah. Um, so, so when I look at those numbers, that's what I think of it at the moment. Yeah, so, well, the thing that's you, you did mention his, like, contract extension, I think what's even more impressive about this hot start so far, even if he does cool off eventually, um, is that he didn't even play in training camp at all. <laughs> and he's, True, yeah. He's He's been this impressive already. Um, and I, I think the other thing to say in terms of, like, the hard trophy is more that if the hard trophy was about the best player – um, then McDavid wins. Um, he is clearly the best player. Uh, the thing is, is though the Hart Trophy is actually awarded to the, the most valuable player to their team. And because as good as McDavid is and as good as Matthews and Marner are, you know, Dreisaitl is on the Oilers as well. And he's... True. He's, uh, uh, he's second in points or third in points, whatever. Um and then, you know, last year we we could have had this conversation with Matthews, but then you're like, well, Matthew, Marner, Matthews has Marner. Um, whereas, yes, not to take anything away from Rube Hintz, who we'll talk about in a second, or Jamie Benn, or like Joe Pavelski or anything, but they're not really on the Marner or Dreisaitl level. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I do, I do think that that's what, uh, Jason Robertson has against all the other ones. It's just the team that he's on 
um, and the talent that he has around him. Uh, because it's like, we know like Dreisaitl is good in his own right. He has as much of a case for the Hart Trophy as McDavid does. Um, and you could say the same for Marner and Matthews as well. So um, so I, I do think he does have a shot just purely because of the team that he's on. Um, and like, you know, I, I think it's, it's really just like a matter of, do we think the stars are going to continue uh, being this good? And, and that's, that's another question in its own way. It's like, you know, not to take anything away from all the other guys on the team, but, uh, but that's pretty much really what, what it comes down to. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I think especially because uh, that's the next question is, um, what about the rocket? Um, yeah, I, I think like if he wins the rocket, um, I think there's, there's definitely, um, you know, a good chance that he'll win the, the heart. Cause the thing is, is that I think McD if McDavid's going to win the heart because of what I just said, I think McDavid would have to have like 20 more points than the next guy. Um, maybe 15 points or like, just like sure. way in the points lead where it's like, okay, like, you know, McDavid is clearly a lot better than even Dreisaitl. So, um, so that's, that's where it's like, that's the only t part where I feel like McDavid won't win is if like, is if, um, if he's just like, if like, let's say, cause right now it's, it's kind of close. Um, where McDavid has 47 points and the other two have 42 or 41 points now. So it's like, that's pretty close. Um, but yeah, if, if McDavid is like, has like, let's say 110 points and the next closest has 100 or 95 even, um, then, then yeah, I think McDavid will win. But I, I think that's what it will really come down to. Um, and yeah, I, I think... I think uh, J Jason Robertson is definitely capable of doing that. It's just it's just impressive considering the fact as I was saying you, you miss training camp. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see um, if it, I, I guess obviously this this all just assumes that he can keep at this pace, um, but uh, which is easier said than done, of course. But um, it's not even easier said, but. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's just it's just crazy because he is twenty three years old. He's younger than McDavid yeah. too, so it's like, you know, you never like when you're th like if you had told me um, earlier this season, like you, you could see the future that there's going to be an American who's going to compete with McDavid for the scoring race. Um, I would probably say like, oh, you're you mean Austin Matthews, and then you'd be like, no, no, no. I mean, yeah, Austin Matthews is good, but it's Jason Robertson. It's just like, wait, I know, I I love Jason Robertson, but uh, are you are you serious? You know, I would have probably thought you were incredulous, even though I would love to hear that. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, so so that you know there is that like, um, it's more of like a surprise factor. It's like Jason Robertson. Um, is like up there with with the other guys that that um, in terms of elite elite players. Well, it's it's also just interesting because this is a team that just lost John Klingberg to free right. agency, and they bring That's in true. Niles Lundqvist with not too much NHL experience, and just expect that he slots into the lineup and he plays well. 
And so the fact that their defense and their offense, for the most part, is relatively the same, with the exception of, you know, a couple of youngsters like Wyatt Johnston, uh, who are entering the mix, and uh, other names that will enter the mix uh, as well. Um, the, the, the fact of the matter is um, that, that Jason Robertson at a plus 14 is also kind of separating himself in the, in, in, the, in the fact that, you know, this is, a deep, this is a division, as we mentioned many times, the Central is a little give and take. You have Nashville in the mix. There's Colorado, obviously. There's Minnesota, who they just played. Uh, there's St. Louis, who have had troubles keeping the puck out of the net, but they're still there. They're 11-13-0, and, and, they're, and they're a team that just recently had a 300-plus goal season as a team. And, uh, you know, those are like four or five teams right there threatening to basically take their title or take their playoff spot. And you want to look at those divisional opponents that are knocking on your doorstep, how you perform against playoff teams as well. And Jason Robertson is going to be involved in a lot of those scenarios, like uh, the St. Louis game a couple nights ago, he got a goal. Uh, Colorado, he got an assist the game before that. Two goals, one assist against Winnipeg the game before that. A few games before that against Colorado, he had a two-goal performance. Right. And regardless of who he's playing against, how regardless of where that team is in the standings, it doesn't matter to him. He just keeps on rolling. He keeps yeah. producing, um, which I think is something that should be factored into the hard trophy consideration as well if we're in April and he's still in the mix and he's right up there with the likes of McDavid and Dreisaitl and whoever else. Um, yeah. Just the fact that he's going to be in those environments where every game, every play matters and that he just seems to constantly rise above it and continue to play well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that contract that I think, I think I've mentioned this before, but, or we've, we've mentioned this before on this episode too, but like, the contract that he signs, like he's already underpaid um, at 7.75. Yeah. And in three years. years, he's going to be eligible yeah. to get paid again as yeah, yeah. well. I mean, if yeah. he plays like this, he's going to be worth an awful lot more than it's nearly crazy. $8 million. Like, it might it'll be. easily be in the 10s. Now that, now that uh, McKinnon signed a long-term deal and Pasternak's yeah. about to be a free agent and going to be getting paid, this might be the next best uh, best contract um, in the league uh, once Pasternak signs another uh, con his next contract, but uh, I think yeah. I think uh, or you could even make a case that the, he, it is already the case. <laughs> but yeah, as we start the All Star list revealed, it would not surprise me if the captain of the Central is Jason Robertson, and I yeah. say that with a straight face, knowing that McKinnon and McCarr are also in that division yeah, yeah. and a lot of star powers in I that division. But, like, fight me on that. Like, tell okay. me why he's not worthy of being the Central captain of the All Star game. Well, I mean, like, Jason Robertson has proved that he is the guy in the central division i i don't know that is a hot take but i will say i don't know if it's uh, a take worth fighting for at least it's well, a conversation at least worth having I think. well it's more it's more of a take that i'm not sure uh like no one really like what do you mean by central team all-star captain because it's like that well can mean uh you, you know like like every single division in the all-star game there's the yeah Atlantic, there's the metro there's no Pacific, i know but like that's not, i know that but like that's not often the best player in the division like if you're saying that jason robertson's the best player in the central division then yes that's a hot take um 
but that's not always the case because sometimes the host city um, has the best player, their, their, their host captain, even though he's not necessarily the best player. Or sometimes they have yeah. Crosby or Ovechkin, even though they, as good as they are, they're not always the best player on uh, as a captain there. But yeah, I if if you're going to say that Jason Robertson's the best player on in the Central, then um, then yeah, you might that that is definitely a hot take. If he if he's in the conversation for most valuable player by the end of the year. Um, and a lot of those names that we're talking about are in the central division, like McKinnon and, and Makar and whoever else. Um, and Kaprizov, I would imagine, is probably going to be in the running for the heart as well, depending on how his season goes. Um, you know, like, we're talking about that in, uh, in, in terms of the broadest landscape in the NHL, including the other three divisions. So right. Surely in the central, the same applies. But. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. very early, but it, it's definitely one of the more compelling stories that I'm interested to see how it unfolds. Yeah. Um, because if, at the rate he's playing, he's the biggest player in the Dallas Stars by a country mile. And, yeah. and obviously there are guys like Joe Pavelski that help with the leadership front, Amir Iskinen. And Essa Lindell eat up a ton of minutes on the blue line, and they have Jay Ettinger to back them up. And right. all of that, Good I think, that. contributes to how the offense is running and also the fact that Peter DeBoer seems to get results almost right off the hop. Um, and I think all of that helps Jason Robertson's impact, but a lot of what Jason Robertson has been doing has also been helping Jason Robertson's cause. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Um, so, uh, so a bit of a correction here, I guess. What happened is Jason Robertson didn't have two assists um, in the game. He had one assist, but he also had one okay. goal. Uh, so correction there. So that's why it's uh, he's at 41 and not 42. Um, Nevertheless, the point streak is still intact. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and of course, that's still impressive. He also had seven yeah. shots on goal. Um, but <laughs> the main reason why I, I mentioned that is because Rupe Hintz had three goals in this game and one assist, uh, so he was a he was a big reason for their comeback today against Minnesota, even though they ended up losing. Uh, but uh, but yeah, the reason why I mentioned that, and I briefly mentioned it before, but yeah, he signed a co uh, contract extension, uh, eight years for eight point four five million. Uh, he's really good as well, obviously. Um, Thirty points in 20, 24 games uh, so far this year. Um, he's been he's been incredible as well, um, and then um, yeah he's he's uh, he's 26 years old whereas Robertson is 23, um, and he's on, they're all they're both on the same line uh, with Pavelski, um, who's 30 uh, 38 years old. So that <laughs> that's definitely interesting. Um, the reason why I mention all this is because. I wanted, to, well, first off, I mean, I can get your thoughts on Rupe Hintz, but, um, but yeah, it's like the, the stars are kind of rolling. And as I mentioned before, like the stars, like before Robertson and Hintz joined the team, uh, they were struggling offensively. Um, even though like Jamie Benn won the, the Rocket Richard or the Art Ross trophy a couple of years ago, J uh, Tyler Sagan. Uh, was decent uh, or was in his prime a couple of years ago in, in Dallas, but um, but like that that used to be only it, 
and uh, and now Ben and Sagan, while still pretty good actually, uh, Sagan has 19 points in 25 games, and Jamie Ben has 26 points in 25 games. So both of them um, have made a resurgence this year. Um, they're you know they're not the best players, and they're more depth guys, which is perfectly okay. Um, you know, definitely not, still not worth their contract that they're making right now. Uh, they're both making uh, 9.5 million, but that's, um, or 9.85 million for Tyler Sagan. Um, but like, at least, at least there's something there. And it's not like they're, they're like wasting cap space or like wasting your cap hit because it's like, you know, that, that's what you look like. Yes, it's, it's going to be hell to figure out for the next couple of years with dealing with um, the Dallas Stars, um, you know, cap situation for a couple of years since Jamie Benn, um, while Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan are on contract. Um, but um, but it's like, you know, at least they're, they're doing stuff. Um, and then uh, there's also guys like, um, uh, Miro Heiskanen, he has 19 points in 22 games. Uh, Mason Marchman, who they grabbed um, in the offseason, 15 points in 25 games. Ty Delandria, um, he's he's getting going even on like a, a as a depth piece at 13 points in 25 games. Uh, Wyatt Johnston, um, as a third line center, has 10 points in 25 games. Um, so. Like they're they're adding some depth, which is which is stuff that you like to see, um, and then not to mention in terms of like their their farm system, uh, their Stenkoven, uh, Logan Stenkoven, um, who's yeah. one of the best players in the CHL, um, Christian Cairo, who they drafted a couple uh, in the last draft, I believe in the fourth round, but he's uh, I think he's leading the league in in the OHL in defense as for defensemen. In the OHL definitely or something. up there. Definitely, um, definitely top five. I'll yeah, check yeah. the stats and a bit, but definitely top five. Um, and then they also have Maverick Bork, who's uh, he's struggling a little bit in the AHL, but uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I, th- I, you know, it's not like time to really give up on him. Um, but anyways, I just wanted to mention those guys, and then of course you have Ottinger as well. Um, although he he didn't have a great game today, um, but. Um, but yeah, even still, like he has a nine seventeen save percentage and a two point five one GAA, um, and he's nine two and two, um, so he's he's doing pretty well from a goaltending perspective. Um, yeah, the Dallas Stars are are looking pretty good. Uh, they're third in their conference um, and first in the Central, which is you know obviously that's that's arguably the toughest division in the league. Um, 32 points in 24 games. Um, so they'll, they'll definitely make the playoffs. I guess the question now, well, first off, what do you think of the hints extension? And then, uh, then you can, that can lead into like, what do you think of the stars team and, and where they're going this year? So we'll take a look at the cap because the cap is most important in terms of how it breaks down my salary. Uh, the first three years he's making above 10 million 11.5 in year one 11.25 year two 10 million in year three but then it goes down to the six and seven million dollar range at 7.25 in year four that's the highest it goes it's actually 6.9 million nice in each of the final four years uh the thing to note about that is 
as of year two and going right into the end of his contract, he has a no move. So if the stars are struggling and he wants out, he can, he essentially controls where he plays. Uh, but once you get through the first three years of his contract, you have a bit of money to use that to extend Jason Robertson to uh, sign uh, Jay Gettinger to a longer term deal by then Ben and Sagan's contracts will have run out. So you have a bit of cap space to play with. I think you have Heiskanen still under contract for a couple more years after that. Um, so there's a lot to, to build around. And the reason I mentioned that is because a lot of these young players that we keep on mentioning, Brett, um, are probably going to be making significant dollars and playing significant roles with the Dallas Stars. One of them could be Antonio Strangis, who uh, only has played in five AHL games this year, only has two assists to show for it, and in the nine AHL games he played last year, only got one assist. So similar to Maverick Bark, he is struggling a bit. But uh, like Maverick Bork has had uh, pretty good uh, numbers at the junior level uh, playing the past three years with the London Knights and getting better in each and every single year he played with the London Knights. Uh, taking a look at some of uh, the other players in the system, we were taking a look at the value that uh, Christian Cairo could bring uh, down the road. And uh, at the moment, uh, Christian Cairo, in terms of OHL scoring, forget defensive scoring, OHL scoring, he's 12th in the league with 33 points in 24 games, Brett, as you mentioned, assist per game base as well. Uh, and in terms of defensemen, Pavel Mentukov of the uh, Anaheim Ducks, oh. uh, the NHL team that's his rights, uh, he's playing in Saginaw. He is fifth in OHL scoring, okay. so that he's the only defenseman ahead of Christian Cairo in terms of OHL points I mean, that's, this year. So that's still impressive, but yeah. Yeah, very impressive, yes. Um, and then you also take a look at uh, some other names. Also, uh, uh, Christian Cairo, yes, he's the brother of Jordan Cairo. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, um, actually, is he the brother? Thank you yeah, for clarifying. Yeah. Uh, Francesco Arcuri, 22 goals in 26 games with Kingston. He's also a Stars prospect currently 15th uh, in OHL scoring. There are a couple of other names as you go down the list um, that uh, I haven't really heard of, but uh, guys that you probably should keep track of uh, in the OHL scoring list that are currently property of the Dallas Stars. So something to keep in mind there. You mentioned Logan Stankoven, 42 points in 19 games, third in WHL scoring. Some guy named Connor Bedard leads that pack and he yeah. hasn't been drafted by anybody at this point. NBD. Uh, and then uh, in the QMJHL, the list is a bit shorter, but still, we just rhymed off two or three guys yep. uh, that could make meaningful impacts on this team within the next couple of years, as soon as, on top of Rupe Hintz and Jason Robertson. And I think part of the reason why the Dallas Stars uh, waited until the start of this year to sign Rupe Hintz to that mammoth contract is because to start last year, he started off very, very slow. Um, I think in his first 10 or 11 games, he had one assist, and that was it. Um, and then he eventually, of course, started to pick it up. But just inconsistent at times. Uh, down the stretch, uh, he was a bit inconsistent as well, but then picked his game back up. And then this year, just full throttle out of the gate. He gets off and running, and he's put up a respectable amount of points. Uh, 26 points in 23 games, that's a point-per-game pace. Also a pretty good percentage, like Jason Robertson, on the shooting department. He is uh, 8 for 47 on the year, so that's a 17 shooting percentage. Pretty good uh, for Rupe Hintz there, and this is his, um, I think, 
fourth or fifth meaningful season of NHL duty. Uh, no, it's, uh, he's in the middle of his fifth right now. Um, so in terms of what uh, the stars can provide in terms of the longer term, you have guys like Yanni Hockenpah who can uh, throw the body around. Essel and Dell's a pretty good shutdown defenseman. Miro Heiskanen is near a point a game pace. Again, for a defenseman, that's absolutely massive. Um, and the ageless Joe Pavelski doing damage in a top six role, even still as he's approaching 40 years old. So if you were to ask me uh, where this team stands, where their strengths are, I think the fact of the matter is, is they don't need to be Colorado Avalanche type of good when it comes to their depth. Um, but they do need to play good team defense. They need to obviously, as we've mentioned, get timely goals. They need to have that clutch gene. Um, and they also have the track record of year one DeBoer. And it, we've seen it multiple times in multiple markets. Pierre DeBoer goes to a new place and that new team, whoever he's with, benefits right off the get-go. And we're starting to see that with Dallas this year. Um, I can easily see the Dallas Stars as one of those teams, uh, kind of like the San Francisco 49ers in the NFL, where record-wise, they might not look like the most intimidating team, but they're a team where you go, please, for the love of God, we better not face them in the playoffs. Do everything you can to avoid this team or it's going to be a rough ride. Well, and the, I think that's what the Dallas Stars uh, are capable of being this year. I do believe that. Well, though, I mean, the Niners are pretty scary even on paper, but um, because they <laughs> have Christian McCaffrey, but that's besides the point. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think it's like, you know, I, I think it all depends on, and you can say the same thing about Jason Robertson, but um it all depends on how consistent can they be. It's like, yeah, it's 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 one thing to be yeah. good in the first half of the season as they have, but uh, it's like, what can they do in the second half when teams are getting tired and their injury starts to pack up and and like the trade deadline happens and all that stuff. So, um, you know, the season isn't over. Um, so so that that's one thing that you have to consider. Um, and then, um, but yeah, I, I do think that this team is definitely heading in the right direction because as we were mentioning, like they still have like a lot of young guys um, and um, and then there's also, they still have a fair amount of, you know, prospects that like, you know, like, yes, it's, it's great to see that Ben and Sagan have come back from the dead, so to speak, but um, but it's also like you have to consider the fact that they're, you know, well, we, this might be the last time we'll see Sagan and Ben be this good. Like this might be their last hurrah, even though they have a couple more years left in their, uh, th in their, their tank, uh, in their contract. Um, what I am curious though about is that Joe Pavelski, he's going to be a UFA next year. And even if the, the stars do resign him, um he's 38 years old so they're like and he's been a big reason why the stars have been so good like yes you know and especially since he is on robertson and hence his line uh so i am curious though like if, if like the let's say the stars struggle next year it might be because pavelski isn't on the team anymore and they didn't replace joe pavelski um, so I am curious yeah. just to see like what they do for that, but that's like, you know, maybe they, they move Tyler Sagan up to the first line. 
um, that that could definitely be a possibility. Or they could, um, or Ty Delandria, he's been pretty good um, as another right winger. So like maybe they just move things up. But um, but yeah, it's it's definitely something that you like you know there's definitely a possibility of like if Joe Pavelski isn't um, on the team anymore, then it's like okay, well what do the stars need to do? Um, and yeah, maybe there is something to the fact that Peter DeBoer is the head coach here. He's, he's a good coach. Um, but yeah, I'm curious because like he kind of worn out his welcome in Vegas. So I'm wondering if like, maybe he won't, he'll wear out his welcome here in Dallas. Um, so that's just something that you also have to consider as well. Um, and lastly, I, I think the other concern that you might have is the defense. Um, yes, Miro Heiskanen is incredible. Essa Lindell is kind of underrated from how good he is on a shutdown level. But other than that, um, I'm not sure what, um, like, you know, what we're looking at. Like, Ryan Suter hasn't been as good um, mm-hmm. as we as he should be I know he's 37 but like he's not that good anymore or he's past his prime Colin Miller's Colin Miller uh Johnny Hockenpah is not good either and Niles Lundquist could be good decent um and yeah they do have Thomas Harley in the system so I wonder if he'll if we'll see him maybe sometime in the second half but um but yeah, I do wonder if like if there's going to be another defenseman who can step up that's not named Miro Heiskanen. Um, yeah, and and that could be that could be something that uh, is is addressed uh, via trade or something yeah. that comes from within. Maybe Niles Lundqvist steps it up as well. Um, the one thing that I mentioned when it comes to special teams and and offense and. While Jason Robertson and Rupe Hints and all the guys that we mentioned have definitely carried their weight uh, and have definitely made this offense look a bit more intimidating, I do think they are a bit overachieving on the power play because you look yeah. at the Dallas Stars in terms of power play chances, they have 74 opportunities, and that may seem like a lot, but uh, they're in the bottom 10 in the league. In fact, uh, they're tied with Vegas with 74, uh, as well as Chicago. And the teams below them are Montreal, San Jose, St. Louis, and Columbus. All teams that at the moment are mostly, for the better part, on the outside looking in and probably not even sniffing the playoffs. So the fact that um, Dallas is capitalizing on a lot of their opportunities, I don't know if that's sustainable for the longer term, which then uh, leads to the next question. Well, you're talking about defense. Probably a big part of your defense is uh killing penalties i hate to break it to you but they've been the most tested defense in terms of killing penalties with 169 minutes of shorthanded time that's yes folks eight minutes almost more than arizona has killed uh penalties uh this year uh and even still uh they've killed off 83.5 percent of their penalties to date which is pretty good but again uh, if you're spending more time on the penalty kill more than you are on the power play, that's less time to play your game, more time defending, more time in your own zone. And eventually, when it matters, that'll catch up with you. But the reason why I'm saying the shark, uh, the stars, rather, excuse me, are 
potentially a tough team to play against as we get deeper into the season is they can win those close games. And the main reason why they were a playoff team last year was because when they went to overtime, they just won games, yeah. plain and simple. They got that one goal when they needed it. And um, that's that's something that's uh, going to be, I think, tough to replace in terms of, you know, when Joe Pavelski leaves, how do they replace that? Mm. And that's definitely a futuristic problem for the Stars to address, but it's not a current one. They're playing out the season as is, and uh, they'll go from there. But uh, this year, as of right now, uh, there's just a lot of things um, about this team that numbers just can't explain. They just find ways to win games. Um, and... The good news is at the moment you talk about injuries, Brett, they're mostly a healthy hockey team. Yeah. I was taking a look at daily faceoff, and there's not a wrinkle of injury to speak of. Whereas you look at Colorado, and uh, they're pretty bruised up at the moment, and they're not going to have Landis Cog back for several weeks now. Yeah. So. And uh, they also uh, have uh, Josh Manson hurt as well, which sucks for their shutdown defense too. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of leads into our next question here is what is the biggest difference between this year and last year yeah i think that is a good point about injuries um i think also the the fact that they have a new coach um even though we were critical of peter DeBoer, i think even when when they hired him just because of how um it ended in vegas there but i i think we could all agree though that it was like vegas um what didn't make the playoffs not necessarily because of DeBoer. Uh, but because of all the injuries that Vegas had. Um, so it's like there was, like, you know, you could still make the case that Vegas, they, there, there was supposedly a um, uh, some kind of, like, um, miscommunication with Robin Leonard and DeBoer. It seemed like they didn't, yeah. they weren't on the same foot. But, um, but for the most part, it's like, yeah, Vegas was pretty good even uh under his reign um you, you know if you just leave out the last year so um but yeah it it, it did any and devore is also pretty good for when he was on santa or when he was coaching san jose as well so um yeah it's it's i i think that that can also make a difference as well um but yes you're right as well the the healthiness of of the team has been a big a big difference i also think that like there is something to the fact that like you know we in the off season we were talking about how like how much of a burden jamie ben's contract is going to be and how much of a burden yeah. tyler sagan's contract is going to be and as i mentioned before it's like yeah they're, they're still overpaid but they're both like contributing and that's that's kind of like cool to see like that's like i feel like there is like that is like like it is a burden still but it's not as much of a burden because they're producing and they're still like making plays and they're contributing and i'm not sure what happened in their own heads or like why they're improving all of a sudden but um but that's cool to see that like it is also kind of interesting to see because you have like sagan and ben were kind of the poster boys of the early to 2010s for the Dallas Stars, and then the this current rendition of Hint, Rupe Hints and Jason Robertson. Um, so it's like kind of cool to see, like it's like a blending of those two two play like two cores uh, together. Um, yeah, and then you add in Pavelski, and then why Johnston could 
be, could be the future. Ty Delandria could be the future as well. So, um, yeah. so it's like it's like a nice blend of players as well that I think it's, um, which is something that we haven't seen before, even last season. And Delandria and uh, Johnson, by the way, were um, it, during their days in the OHL were also uh, one yeah. of the top scorers. Yeah, um, uh, well, definitely top twenty, top thirty at worst. I think um, why didn't why Johnson wasn't he the highest point getter? For last year why Johnson I was either him or Logan Morris and it was a it was a tours race between those two uh, if I recall correct but okay. definitely why Johnson was up there for sure yeah. uh, I I will interject by saying uh, quickly uh, my uh one goal games quote doesn't really ring true to this year because they're 0-1 and 5 in one goal games and the only team yet to win a single one goal game this year but their record speaks for itself last yeah. year and part of the reason I think why that is the fact they're oh one and five and one goal games is for the most part um they really separate themselves from the pack early in the games which definitely helps they're 10 one and one leading after 20 uh, leading after 40 they've done that 12 times and they've won all 12 times uh their record when leading or when trailing rather after one is oh two and two so only four times they've trailed after one and trailing after two they're one four and two so that's only happened to them seven times this year so in most of the games that they're playing they're one step ahead or two steps ahead of the other team before you get to a point where the other team can come back so that's definitely uh something to keep an eye on is in the playoffs when it comes to winning those one goal games that i think that one goal game record matters a little bit yeah but if you're getting ahead of the other team it also kind of doesn't matter because right. um, you're not putting yourselves in that position where the next goal wins. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the last question we have here is what is their window? Um, yeah, we, we talked a lot about their, their prospect system and like even, you know, Rupe Hintz and Jason Robertson are still pretty young. Um, Wyatt Johnson and Ty Delandria are young as well. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think their window is like, as long as they can replace guys like Pavelski, Sagan, and Ben, um, and like find that defenseman, and like you know, I guess that depends on if Thomas Harley can be that guy. Um, then I think their window is wide open. But even if like you know, those are just like the things that they would have to look out for in the long term. But you know, even still, like this this year, they they have a decent shot, um, and you know, just. I guess the question is, is how consistent can they be? Um, you, you never know. So Well, and, and I, I think yeah. um, not only who they're replacing those guys with, but yeah. how they're spending that money that right. they're paying those guys because they're paying Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn and Joe Pavelski a lot of money. And right. when Ryan Suter's contract expires, that's another three to four right, million right. or whatever the heck his cap is off the books that you can pay elsewhere as well. Um, because, you know, we, we've seen, you know, in this sport and in other sports, if you put all of your eggs in one basket, it's a very risky play that can have yeah. sometimes very dire consequences. Just ask Seth Jones and the Chicago Blackhawks. That contract has barely started, and you look at where Chicago is, and it's it's not looking pretty when a lot of your money in terms of defensive help is invested into one guy. Um, so moving forward, uh, that'll be something uh, for uh, the stars to keep in mind is to manage their dollars and who it goes to. Um, 
And the good news is ultimately the salary cap is going to go up, which helps their case as well. But um, it, it, it does matter uh, ultimately the yep. price tag. And in a lot of those cases, how much you pay your star players, because that also impacts how yep. you fill out the rest of your roster. And the third and the fourth lines, while it may not seem like they matter, I would argue they matter now more than ever. You look at the successful teams like Tampa Bay and Carolina, they can run all four lines. And that's largely because they commit a lot to their star players, but they don't tend to commit too, too much money. Yeah. Um, I, I guess we'll revisit the Tampa situation once the contract extensions for Cernak and Sergachev and, uh, and Sorelli kick in. But um, for the most part, uh, Tampa has been really good at evening out money for the rest of their roster so that they have a balanced attack and they can beat you in a variety of ways. And for Dallas to establish themselves as a legitimate threat year in, year out, they're going to have to do that exact same thing as those contracts expire too. Yeah, and that's really where like the the entry-level contracts are going to take hold because yeah. you have Wyatt Johnston for three more years on a, a minimum pay year. Ty Delandria with one more left, um, and yeah, we'll see. Um, it, it helps for this year, but again, yeah. it it it. The reason I mentioned that is because yeah. when those contracts expire to Sagan and Ben and all that, that's that. when you're going to have to pay those oh, yeah, guys yeah. as well. So and not to mention, else to be and not to mention, like Jake Ettinger is uh, yep. has three more years left, um, and uh, and Robertson has four more years left. Although coincidentally. Jamie Ben, uh, his contract ends in three years as well. So, um, so you yeah. could like so, you could pay yeah, just what, before or around yeah. the time that Robertson's contract ends. Yeah, but you, you know, could pay. You're gonna have to open up the wallet again. Yeah. Right, but you could pay that with uh, Audinger's contract, basically. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's 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 just like it's it's the age old salary cap. Right. It's just like you think you have enough, and then you look at the books and just like, okay, that number is a lot lower than I thought it was at first glance. Right, right, right. Yeah, and you <laughs> never have know. to check the books again. But yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. I I think like you no, know, you know what? The more I think about it, it's just I feel like their window is actually kind of short. Like I know that they have a lot of prospects, and as I just mentioned, J. Rob and Hints are still pretty young, but who knows how like good Pavelski is going to be next year and he's a big part of their team um so it's like they this might be like their best shot because Pavelski is not getting younger um and he's still pretty good as a 38 year old um and I mean yeah maybe you you move up Tyler Sagan um on the first line but like it just doesn't help with their depth so like yeah their window isn't i guess it it isn't closing because they're still a pretty young team even without I mean, obviously without joe pavelski but um but i feel like pavelski does have a huge impact on this team that it, it's it's going to hurt them when he's gone mm-hmm. um and 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 also to uh, like add to like the window of this roster as similar to pretty much every team yeah a lot of it comes down to your scouts because right. you know if if you end up uh, as the Dallas Stars being that team that consistently wins that obviously means your ability to draft quality players right. uh, you don't have as high picks so 
you really need to hit with the picks that you have. Yep. Um, and that's where the scouting department is going to be crucial because the reason why Detroit in the 2000s were so good is they kept finding those diamonds in the rough. Yep. They found Pavel Datsuk. They found Henrik Zetterberg. They found well, Johan Franson. Yep. They found a lot of guys through good scouting. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Dallas Stars have actually found a lot of diamonds in the rough. Like Jamie mm-hmm. Ben, yeah. uh, classically, yeah. uh, is a classic example of that. I think he was a fourth round pick. Uh, Jason Robertson was a second round pick. I know that's not diamond in the rough territory, but it's pretty late uh, for his caliber of yeah. talent. Yeah, and uh, then the Alex to break it of his draft. Class, yeah, yeah, probably. basically. Uh, Jason, uh, I, and even like Wyatt Johnson, like uh, when when they drafted him, he hadn't even played that year because uh, the OHL had suspended play that year. So that that was right. a huge risk to even draft that. Uh, and Logan Sinkoven was a late round pick. Uh, Martino, Christian Cairo was a late round pick. So they've been doing pretty well in terms of the draft um, in, in recent years, but. Um, also, the 2017 draft, I, I we might be talking about this later on um, in a future episode, but the 2017 draft, they drafted Miro Heiskanen uh, fourth overall. They drafted uh, Odinger, um in the middle uh, of the first round, and then they drafted Jason Robertson in the second round, and those are like their yeah. three best players right now. So it's uh, they're they're doing pretty. They that 2017 draft did uh, did did wonders for them. Um, yeah, Clearly. and I think they traded up uh, with uh, with Chicago to yeah. get that pick they used to select Ettinger. Oh, really? So yeah, that yeah. makes that pick even sweeter because yeah, not yeah. only do the Hawks not have him, but we do. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point too. And the Hawks could definitely use it. Yeah, 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 they, they could. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay, uh, that about does it here for us at Lace em Up. You can follow us on Lace Up Podcast. Our Twitter is Lace Up um lace up podcast is that right yeah um our facebook is lace them up um you can also follow us on soundcloud itunes spotify pocket cast wherever else you get your podcasts i'm brett duboff i'm steve elser we'll talk again in episode 346 of the lace them up podcast